Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Leadership Matters. My name is Valerie Jackman and I'm leadership lead at CDN. The purpose of this mini-series is to explore leadership from different perspectives. What can we learn from the past, what's required for the future, and where can we draw inspiration from? Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Roddy Miller. Roddy is founder and CEO of Ideas for Leaders, which works with research faculty and thought leaders from the top global business schools and consultancies across the world. Roddy is also co-founder of the Scottish Leadership Institute, an organisation focused on increasing awareness and impact of good leadership practice on organisations' performance. Welcome, Roddy. Thank you, Valerie. Great to be here. Roddy, tell us a bit about this work that you do then with Ideas for Leaders. Well, I mean, it, it comes from an increasing passion that I have around leadership and behavior of people in organization. I, I suppose it, it dials back to my work in the 1990s with a, a publishers in London. Uh, and I found myself editor of a large tome on executive education that needed to have uh, some articles put around it to uh, make it a little bit more exciting. And um, that put me in touch with working with these big global business schools all around the world. Uh, and in fact, I, I took over that business or that publication in the early 2000s, and we set it up independently um, and, and took it online. And um, since then, I, I've been working with lots of uh, leading faculty at, at business schools around the world, the likes of um, Wharton and Chicago and Kellogg in the States and London Business School, Oxford Said, and uh, and others here in Europe, um, and increasingly drawn to the work that they do and the research that they've been uh, uncovering and investigating on on the leadership side, on on how people work together in organisations, uh, and so that, that, that's where Ideas for Leaders grew out of. It uh, it summarises academic papers, and academic papers in journals can be pretty turgid. Um, not even academics really like reading them. But um, uh, in fact, there's a, there's a statistic somewhere that says on average, six people read an, an a business school academic papers, which is a fairly appalling statistic. But um, they do contain, many of them do contain some really interesting and applicable information. And that's what we try and capture, those ones which have a real relevance to society and business. Uh, and there are plenty that don't, but uh, we try and capture the ones that do and summarize them down and make them easy to access uh, and digest for people outside academia. And as I say, quite a lot of people inside academia too. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. So tell me how then, if I wanted to access those, how do I access them? So they're all largely free to access uh, on ideasforleaders.com. So just Go to ideasforleaders.com and um, hope, hopefully the, the website should spring open in front of you. And it's, uh, it, it's supposed to be reasonably intuitive to find your way around. There's a, there's a good search function and you can type in uh, whatever topics that uh, seem relevant. And, and we've now got very nearly a thousand of these short summaries available. So that there should be something, uh, if it's work related, that, uh, that pops up. So for me... 
I'm getting a sense that you're connecting with people who are doing research, who are starting to um, be able to sense into or be aware of what is going to be required of our leaders for the 21st century, our future leaders. What are the kind of trends and things that you're picking up from that? I think I think I'm in a, in a really privileged position because I get to speak to all sorts of thinkers and and as I say, academics and researchers who who are exploring these ideas. Um, and as editor of uh, of Ideas for Leaders and also the, the magazine Developing Leaders that we publish too, um, you know, I get exposed to lots of different perspectives around this. But what is really clear is that we are moving away dramatically from command and control, um, which was the, the 19th and 20th centuries were a, a staggering period for humanity, particularly in the Western world, um, in the increase in efficiency that we, we created. Um, and the progress and the increase in wealth that has come with that is, is truly staggering if you look at it compared to, you know, the changes over centuries before where you know people five six seven generations previous to anyone would be living a, a, a fairly similar existence to them but you know you only need to look one generation back let alone two or three and see how how our lives have transformed in terms of air travel or the digital internet whatever it may be um so no, 19th and 20th centuries were, were extraordinary but and one of the things that drove them forward was you know, the creation of these large organizations, um, which have now become extraordinarily large organizations uh, with income and power much, much greater than uh, you know, many small countries. Um, but with size comes huge complexity. And the way that we tackle complexity in these organizations is by putting in lots of process and lots of layers. And layers and process effectively dehumanize our, our roles in organizations and people lose their sense of purpose in them. And if you don't have a sense of purpose, then you, you, you slightly lose your energy around this. Um, so the 21st century is, going, is very different and, and the demands on, the, on 21st century uh, organizations are, are to be much more creative, much more innovative. Um, I was speaking to Martin Reeves, who's the chairman of the Boston Consulting Group's Henderson Institute, their internal think tank, uh, BCG being the, the big strategy, global strategy company, um, earlier this week. In fact, I've got a, a very good podcast with him, so I'll put, put a plug in for that. Um, but he, he was saying that you know, what he calls the fade rate of organizations, which is how how quickly they peak and, and then then disappear again um, is just increasing all the time and 20, 20 years ago if you were in the top 10 percent of organizations uh, if, if your organization was one of the top top 10 percent of organizations there was a fair chance there was a 70 percent chance that in 20 years time or 10, 10, 10 20 years time you'd still still be in that position whereas that's now um, gone down to 10, uh, below 20 percent uh, so big organizations are disappearing quickly that your, your time at the top is, is very limited and um the reason is because innovation is coming thick and fast and and, and change is, is is increasing rapidly 
Uh, and, and so what do organizations need? Organizations need people who can adapt and be innovative and creative. And, and that doesn't tend to happen in the heavily structured um, matrixed organizations of, of, of the last century. So there's a big shift there. And, and um, that's, what, that's what we're seeing sort of taking place now that, that that that's the change that's required and and it's a big mental shift as well as being a an organizational shift so uh, it fasc fascinates me around the, how that's being implemented i was speaking to a, a hr practitioner this morning actually who was talking about the, the, the changes and that even from a recruitment perspective there are things that we will need to factor in that we haven't factored in before because of how quickly things change and the skills that people will need and the competencies that people will need to be able to work going forward, even being able to work from home, being able to work remotely, being able to, to iterate and reiterate quite quickly. So um, that kind of, kind of aligns with what you're, what you're saying there. Absolutely. And, 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 and you know, we see on these surveys of what, what uh, capacities and skills are being required of organizations now we're seeing far more around critical thinking and uh, and the agility and and the and being resilient and self-starter leadership and, and things like that uh, and then the really interesting thing is that you know we've just been through this most um, you know, extraordinary period of that we haven't quite got that got out of it but hopefully we're about mm -hmm. to start coming out of it um, the extraordinary period over the last 15 months with the pandemic and before, 15 months ago, organizations thought the idea of having people working out of, out of their line of sight um, was a crazy idea and couldn't be done. Um, and there was this lack of trust, lack of faith uh, in people um, at all levels. And then it was forced upon us. Um, and lo and behold, the productivity rate in, in, in many respects, in many areas of those people, who, you know, not everyone can work from home and, and, and clearly there are, you know, there are jobs and, and careers that, that, that you know, have to happen in a place of work. But um, we've seen that those people who can work from home stepped up to, the, not only stepped up to the mark, but, but really blossomed in this and, and, and found that freedom, that autonomy, that agency to manage their day, manage their lives. Um, it was quite energizing and, and, and increased their ability that, to, or, or their levels of productivity. So the fact that you may want to go and put some the clothes in, in the washing machine or go and collect a child from school or something like that mundane, which has to be done in any case, but you can fit it into your working day um, at, you know, between telephone calls. And it's good to stand up from your desk and walk about. So you might as well go and do that. Um, you know, the, the, you know, it, that actually becomes something pretty positive. Um, and so uh, there's this realization that uh, people are working because they want to work, not because you just get paid at the end of the month. Um, yeah. It's a spectrum. And clearly, you know, there are going to be instances that uh, that doesn't happen on. But the vast majority of people um, want to do a good job. Yeah. Uh, Again, I had a conversation with somebody in the college sector recently about trust and about trusting people, uh, trusting colleagues. And there has been such a shift in, in the FE sector. So people are working from home, they're teaching from home. 
Um, and exactly what, what you said there, I've seen happen in that people might need to walk the dog or nip up to take TK Maxx to return something or, you know, go to B&Q to pick up a tin of paint or whatever. But they'll fit that into their their day, not at the cost of the work that they're doing, but they'll work it around it so that they can actually show up better yep. when they need yeah. to and, and focus um, better when they when they need to and when they can. So I think there's another there's another layer, thin layer to that, too, which is and 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 you know this because I, I think you do walking meditation and, and stuff with, mm. for, for people. I think you mentioned that to me before that, yeah. um, you know. You probably don't get much time to do that at work because there's an element of being appraised, watched uh, of what you're doing in the office. But if you go off and walk the dog when you've just had a, a com- quite a heavy conversation mm-hmm. about some, something work related, that gives you the time to per- percolate those thoughts and distill them and and, uh, and come up with some fresh ideas. So it, it, it may, ge- may be quite generative. Um, yeah. uh, Again, you know, it's not going to be always the case. It's not. It's not a rule, but I think it creates this. My my definition of leadership are, are people who create the conditions for for others to do their best work, um, and and I think we've created slightly inadvertently this condition yeah. where uh, others can do really good work um, from home, um, and it's by giving them that that sense of autonomy and that sense of agency and, and sense of responsibility. Yeah, yeah. And trust, that idea of trust really sits at the heart of it as well. I have a question for you, just in all the people that you've spoken to and all the, the, the research you've done, I think most people will get it that they're, you know, that we're, we're, we're in a time of change, not we're moving into a time of change, but we're in a time of a rapid change where we do need to be adaptable and flexible and lean and agile and all these things. And we need to be comfortable with that. But in many organizations, there are cultures that are very different to that. So in your own research, is there anything um, and, and the different interviews that you've had? So if I'm a leader in an organization that has been quite hierarchical, uh, top down command and control, quite bureaucratic, how am I going to even start to think about supporting the workforce so that we can make the shift to a different kind of culture oh, that that's a brilliant question and it is it is you know, by and large the big question um, it ultimately has to be sanctioned and approved from the top it, it's very difficult to try and have this more fluid sort of devolved leadership if it's not if it's not flowing from the top, um, so uh, you, you you're going to struggle otherwise. Um, if if your senior leaders think everyone needs to show up in serried ranks and, and and carry out the instructions, then try trying to get around that in in any significant way is probably quite a dangerous thing to do um, but so it, it's beholden on the senior leadership as i said to create the conditions where this can happen because we know we have empirical proof now that uh, 
it works that you know we've just seen it a 15-month experiment an ongoing experiment um, what you can do is enable it in your in your teams you can start it at at a lower level in in smaller pockets um, and um, and and give people more autonomy and and it's really invigorating to do it too it's uh, uh, the, I mean, there, there are two clear benefits. I mean, there, there are many clear benefits, but there are two, two very sort of sweet, easily identifiable ones. One is that if you give people a bit more remit to make their own decisions and responsibility, you see whether they step up to the mark and, and, and whether they embrace it. And if they do, they will, you know, they're bringing additional energy and, and ideas into the workplace. Um, and that, and that at, the, at the same time, they're taking work off the leader's shoulders. So if if you had to sort of um, peer over people's shoulders um, before to check that they're doing it right, now now by giving them a bit more space, they you know that that burden is removed, which gives the leader more time to to do other other things. And there there are plenty of other things that leaders probably should be doing, like like mentoring and and and. Uh, and, and bringing people forward uh, uh, that are, are time consuming too. So it, it, it takes an, a, a very changed type of mindset to do that. You can do that in, in your small group if, if, if you're you know, given the opportunity to, um, but it, it's quite difficult to do it upwards as it were. Um, mm. if, if you haven't been given that latitude, then it, it's probably dangerous to try and take it. Uh, but you can have the conversations with people and see how, how they how they react to it. Um, th these changes don't happen overnight. Something else that I've been aware of uh, through the pandemic is that we have we're starting to have a much more human centered approach to leadership. We you know we can't turn a blind eye or we can't um, look at our colleagues or our team and just see them for the role they fulfill. We are more and more aware of the conditions that they live in and what's happening with them in their own lives, you know, to, to, to a greater or a lesser extent. But we know if, if, um, if it's challenging to work from home, we know if, they're if they've been trying to manage homeschooling um, or, or, you know, whatever it is that's going on, we tend, yeah. I think yeah. we have a bigger sense of who the human beings that we're working well, I, with. I've been doing some work with um, Paul Brown, Professor Paul Brown, who's a, an applied neuroscientist, and um, he is absolutely clear that the next, you know, the, the way we're going to improve productivity at work, the, the success, what he calls the 21st century sustainable organization, is um, by taking in this more holistic approach to people. If you just look at people as an expert in this single field, and that's what they do in this bit of the of the organisation, then you're you're missing out on on so much, and and you're 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 failing to, to leverage the potential there. So we, we've got to look at look at it much more holistically. And and to your point about you know families and, and, and other stresses and strains that people have. I, I remember a conversation I had with a, uh, a professor at the Spanish business school IESE in, in Barcelona, and he was a, an expert on 
um, expats working overseas. And he'd just done some research. And it was, uh, it showed that the majority of people who were sent on uh, to overseas assignments failed. Uh, that they, the, the ones who failed, failed not because of the individual or the work they had to do. They failed because the family that came with them hadn't integrated properly into the overseas world. And the reason they, had, they went back to the home country is because of the personal family reason. Um, and, and that's, I think that, that, that encapsulates it in, in a very clear idea yeah. of how what goes on around us totally impacts what we do at work. Um, and um, it, it always st- stuck with me. I mean, it's in the same way that, you know, we look at uh, mergers and acquisitions in, in, uh, you know, across, across all, all industries and sectors. And the, the bankers and the consultants come up with lovely spreadsheets that show how, how much money is going to be saved and, and where all the, the synchronicity is um, by merging these two organizations. So on paper, it looks absolutely fine. And then you, you put the two cultures together and there's, a, 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 there's no fit whatsoever. So it's the people, it's always the people that, you know, that, that cause the, the difficulty. And so we've got to be much more aware of what makes people work optimally. Okay. Something I'm aware of as well is, is um, some of the work that I've been um, observing and some of the studies that I've been doing myself, I'm picking up a sense that we need to be, we do need to be quick. So we need to not necessarily um, nail something down and say, this is our strategy for the next five years and, and, blinkers on and that's what we're going for but we need to be able to decide on a path look to try and develop ideas in response to what's going on internally and most importantly externally you know in that bigger uh, bigger global context but that there, there, there seems to there needs to be something parallel going on where we're constantly reiterating where we're trying new things introducing new ways but getting feedback on what's working for people and what's not working for people. So very different to this is, this is the policy and procedure and how it's done and this is what we're going to be using. Are you picking up on that at all? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a sense certainly that we frequently in organisations have our eyes down too much and are not scanning the horizon. So we, we don't see the bigger picture from that point of view. Um, and, and in order to get the job done, you know, there needs to be a focus on on the path immediately in front of you, as well as where the path is leading. Um, so um, yeah, it, it's a balance, like all these things. Um, the uh, I, I, we, we might touch on the Scottish Leadership Institute at some point, a point today, which is a, a, another a, another passion of mine. But I, I started mm-hmm. it with um, uh, Jim Mather, uh, the former. Scottish government minister, uh, and, and he has he, he likes to use this metaphor of the uh, uh, 19th century railroad handcart, the thing that you have two men on, usually in sort of um, Harold Lloyd uh, film, black and white silent movies, um, uh, pumping furiously, going up and down in order to move mm. it along. But but his point being that in order to get progress, you you need to find you need to have 
uh, a bit of yin and yang. There needs to be something on both sides. And uh, you're always trying to achieve balance in between. So if, you're, if you just push down on one side, it doesn't, you, you don't go anywhere. So it, it is trying to get this balance between what needs to get done now, but also having your eyes up. And I, and I think, and scanning the horizon. And I think there's probably less of a mindset of horizon scanning than there should be. And that's something I'm really keen to, to try and cultivate that, the opportunity for that to happen. I don't know if that answers your question or not. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a great answer. And it was a lovely introduction to the Scottish Leadership Institute because, you know, we've spoken initially about that global work that you do, where you're getting a sense of, of what's going on on a global scale. But then you're, as you mentioned, you're co-founder of the Scottish Leadership Institute. What's that about? Well, I mean, it, it, it comes from an awareness that uh, having worked with the leadership development sector, I mean, principally business schools globally, um, but also lots of consultants, um, both the, the big international uh, premier consultants like Boston Consulting Group and, and the, you know, the, the big accounting firms too. Um, but there's a, a mass of, of others out there, a plethora um, of, of small, excellent little boutique consultants doing leadership work as well. And it's very fragmented. And if you're not fully immersed in it, it's very difficult to identify who are, who are the right people to, to help, help you. And, and I think there's also a large sector of uh, Scottish business and, and, and public sector to public sectors slightly better provided, but the Scottish business sector who don't focus enough on leadership because they've got other priorities and, and it's, it's, it's too confusing to, to look at this fragmented world. So the Scottish Leadership Institute is, is in part uh, just to raise the awareness of the benefits of good leadership. And there's plenty of research to show that good leadership, good good management of people makes is the single most effective um, factor in, improve, in improving performance in an organization. So even if your organization is doing well, by improving the leadership approach and, and, and the management of people within it, you, you can increase that. Um, so uh, it's very difficult for lots of organizations who may not bit large enough to have their own expertise around leadership within, within the organization, which is going to be most organizations, only very large ones that can do that. Um, then where, where to look for that? So the Scottish Leadership Institute is, is going to be a, a place that they can come and be supported in increasing the focus on le leadership within their organization. And it also provides a navigation and a map for uh, identifying appropriate providers that to, to help um, develop people, um, and and it'll also be at its core uh, a, a sort of create a, a pathway for people to develop their own leadership career. Um, so you can sort of map it through through the Scottish Leadership Institute and, and engage in um, events and, and discussions uh, with other people who. Who also have an interest in it, uh, and that will support support their their journey. 
Um, so it, it's still at an, an early stage, but we're keen for people to, uh, there's a scottishleadership.org um, website and, and people to get, get involved with that and, and, and find out more and get in touch with us if they, if they want to participate in this. It, it's, it's really trying to build a movement, I suppose, is, the, is where I should have started. And from an organisational perspective, so org organisations can be can engage with Scottish Leadership Institute, but also individuals. So from what you're seeing, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I could if I if I if I thought right, well, I actually want to take responsibility. Absolutely, for my own leadership journey. Yeah. So membership, be, membership will be individual. Um, yeah. Okay. And. And, and the advantage of that is that if you change jobs or, or, or roles within an organization, you can continue your association with, with it and, and, and that, that will carry forward through your career um, because mm -hmm. leadership is, is, is often the, the, only, the only sort of structured thinking we get around leadership often it happens in, in short programs of a, you know, a day, a couple of days, a week, whatever it may be. And, and then you don't touch it again for for months on end or years on end um, and, and we want to make it a little bit more continuous than that and, and keep keep people thinking and raising their awareness around it uh, but the principal way of, of trying to reach these individuals will be through organizations so we're, we're very keen for organizations to be um, engaging with us and and saying yes it'd be great to have x many of our our leaders our managers um, on this journey together um, and, um, and and support that. And again, this goes back to you know, the, the conversation we had earlier, which is you know, if, if it's supported from the top within an organization, then it has a great deal more impact. So um, we're, we're, we're wanting to speak to both organizations, but absolutely individuals as well. Okay, that's really interesting and, and lovely to hear that it's a, it's a, it's a Scottish Leadership Institute. Because I, well, I think there is a lot of... I think one of the things that I've picked up sort of very clearly from executive working with executive education provision at these big business schools around the world is that people tend to buy into these expensive programs on on the basis of the brand of the 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 university or the business school the, the opportunity to have a famous faculty member standing in front of them um, and perhaps going on camp on, onto one of these campuses you know you go to oxford or something and um and you get the certificate uh, all of which is extremely nice but none of it in fact changes your learning what changes your learning is the is the the fact that they've convened a group of like-minded people and created a space where you can have these structured thinking and discussions uh, and so that's the bit that we're trying trying to foster uh, but the other part that business schools do very well is in customized programs and programs just for single companies is make it relevant for the participants and that may be around their particular strategy or whatever but i think that there's a scottish relevancy there too and um that you know we've got a rich rich history of philosophy around leadership in scotland and practice and and, and around, particularly around community um and i think there are all sorts of threads that we can we can draw out about that that will resonate with people in Scotland and, I, and I'm really excited to, to have the opportunity to do that. Yeah I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see to see what comes of that. Roddy we're very close to time I'm going to ask if so if I'm a leader and I'm thinking about what's required for the future if, if there were three things 
what do I need to be really focusing on? Um, well, the, the, the first big event we've run at Scottish Leadership Institute was with this extraordinary chap called Bob Chapman, who was a, uh, we inherited uh, um, as a manufacturing business in the Midwest US um, when he was quite young in his late twenties, his father died quite suddenly. Um, and he, by this stage, had become a trained accountant. He'd been to business school, he'd got an MBA, and he was very much of the um, slash and burn sort of approach of cost cutting and, uh, and managing organizations on a, by spreadsheet. Um, and he tried, and, and the company was not in good nick uh, when he inherited it. And he tried it for four or five years, that approach, and it clearly wasn't working. And um, he, came over to us just weeks before the, the lockdown started and, and, um, uh, and gave this amazing presentation that um, explained how he developed his, uh, what he calls truly human leadership style, which is a people-centric, human-centric approach uh, where you see everybody that you work with as individuals uh, with families and, and, and his slightly folksy Midwest phrase is somebody somebody's precious child um and so it's understanding and, and it, you know that comes across as a bit schmaltzy perhaps uh, for us but um the effect of it is utterly extraordinary and he has run this business on this basis for the last 25 years and he's had a stellar performance um so i think point number one is look look at everybody as a you know as a as a fully fledged human being um, who who has something to give uh, and, see, and and develop a, a people centric style, um, mm -hmm. I think the second point is be aware of your influence as a leader. Um, uh, I think lots of us just go to, go to work and and, and possibly uh, yeah, everyone's different, but yeah, you know, po possibly fail to appreciate what impact they have in their role on others um, and so taking a moment not all the time but you know once once a, a fortnight anyway just to, to think you know how how it what i do is that impacting on the people i i do it with and for and around um, and seeing that and if it, the, the more senior you are senior you are the greater you need to reflect on that um, and the third part I know is, is probably just enjoy it. I think there's <laughs> there's a, there's a great deal to be done from in enjoying what you do in the present. Uh, we spend a great deal of time being stressed, and um, there's a great uh, uh, piece of work by um, someone from uh, the Centre for Creative Leadership um, around the fact that most stress is it comes from rumination it's because we ponder on the things that stress us that too much and, and and happiness and and being in the flow you know that moment when everything is just going well and time yeah. zips fast uh, it's because you're absolutely in the present it's the reason we love going to well maybe i shouldn't be saying this in scotland uh, at the moment we love going to football matches or we love going to the theater <laughs> which we can't do either um, yeah. But um, it's because you're completely tied up in the present, um, and that that's where enjoy, enjoyment flows. So see if you can create moments in your day when you're in, you know, you're, you're in the present, and uh, energy flows from that. I'm, you know, and, um, and and that that's contagious, I think. 
Oh, Roddy, that's lovely. What an inspirational way to finish. Because uh, we don't often talk about bringing the joy or looking for the joy. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful uh, that you added that. Well, it, it, it's part of this this awareness of, of work has just been you know, an integral woven part of our lives. And if we're not, and, and, you know, we spend more time at work than we do anywhere else. So we should try and enjoy it as much as we can. It's, it shouldn't just be to put put some uh, money in the bank account at the end of the end of the month. Well, I have heard someone say that, you know, we spend a lot of time where well, we we're quite cautious about how we spend our money. We think about it. You know, it's our money. It's our resource. We think about how we spend it. So um, in, terms of, in terms of spending our time and spending our time at work, if we could think about how we can bring our best selves and make our best contribution um, and come from that sort of place. Sounds like a good place to Absolutely. be. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Roddy, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your insights with us today. Valerie, thank you very much. It was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Thank you.